In our Stronger 2-7 Colossians series, today's message is, what does your pastor want for you? I know, scary, right? <laughs> well, I, I want to start by sharing a little bit of a window, a brief window into my life of coming to the place of stepping into uh, the ministry of being a pastor. Uh, Eaglemont family, I, I want you to know that being your pastor is an incredible privilege that I do not uh, take lightly. Uh, I value uh, the opportunity to serve in God's church and specifically in Eaglemont Church these years. As I started to prepare this message, I, I got choked up a little bit. Some of you are saying, well, yeah, that's nothing new. And you got a point there, but I was moved as I thought about the privilege I have of serving in the role I do in this church family, and as I started to think about uh, some of your names and faces in those moments, and, uh, and, and thinking of many of the situations that you experience in life, and all of that tugs at a shepherd's heart. It was 35 years ago this last spring that I stepped into full-time pastoral ministry, uh, the last 14 of those in Eaglemont Church. As a young adult, I wanted to follow Jesus and I sought God's direction for my future, for my, for my life uh, at that time. And it became clear over a period of time, very clear to me that God was calling me to a life dedicated to shepherding his church. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's a, a, a strong, uh, or it's with strong confidence that God called me and I, I, I'm grateful for that. Uh, and it's his call that actually, I, I would say, has kept me in the game uh, at times over the years, in addition to uh, the great ministry partner that God gave me in Miriam. Growing up in a pastor's home, as Miriam did also, it, it certainly could have been that I resisted God's leading into pastoral ministry, but I'm glad that was not the case. Uh, I'm thankful that um, in my pastor da dad, uh, in those growing up years, I observed a couple of key things, and I've shared this before with our church family, but a couple things I observed in my dad that influenced me uh, as a young person. First of all, my dad was the same genuine Christ follower at home as he was at church on Sunday, and that, of course, is valuable and important. And then I had uh, a great, great role model in my dad of what a loving shepherd was to be. As a teenager, I recall uh, observing my dad's uh, shepherd's heart and recognizing the great value uh, that was to uh, our church. And so when, as a young adult, I began to sense God's leading to pastoral ministry myself, all my dad said to me was, don't go into pastoral ministry unless you are absolutely certain that it's God that's leading you there. No other reason. And I'm so grateful for that wise input. So let's look at our passage. And, and by the way, I'm taking this message a little different direction than uh, Louis Giglio is in the small group teaching video that some of you will watch. Uh, but you know what? If you're not in a small, you need to hear uh, Pastor Louis' teaching on this uh, passage. It's, it's so good. And if you're not in a small group, but you are a part of the Eaglemont family, you can email Pastor Joel for the password to rightnowmedia.org to watch that video. Uh, there's other great teaching on that website and children's resources. Uh, our church actually pays for a yearly subscription to uh, that online resource. And so thank you for your worship of giving that makes something like that possible. Let's read Colossians 1, 24 to, to, uh, through to chapter 2, verse 5. 
and reading from the New Living. I am glad when I suffer for you, the Apostle Paul says. Apostle just means sent one. And he was sent to the church, the churches, local churches uh, of the whole uh, region there uh, at that time. And he's speaking to the church in a, in a place called Colossae. He's writing to this church. He says, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles, or non-Jews, uh, as well. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So... We tell others, he says, about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's power, mighty power, actually, that works within me. Chapter 2, verse 1. I want you to know how much I've agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together uh, by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm telling you this. Paul says, so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. So, some of Paul's expressions that give us hints and sometimes show us directly what a pastor wants for the sheep, as we say sometimes. Chapter 1, verse 24, the new King James uh, puts it this way, I rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of the church. Now, we need to know Paul, Paul is not saying that there was anything deficient in the suffering, uh, the sufferings of Christ on the cross. He's saying that suffering helped him become more like Christ. Ah, we may not like to hear that, but that's true in all of our lives if, if we respond well and in trusting God. And so Paul is saying that here. Paul, Paul is, uh, he, he willingly takes on the sufferings and persecutions uh, that come with the territory of pastoral leadership. Even with joy, he does this. And, and he wants Christ followers to know that. That on their behalf, his, he's suffering. He writes about his uh, sufferings in uh, another letter of his, uh, the second letter he wrote to the believers, the church, in Cor Corinth, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, I've been put in prison. I've been whipped times without number, faced death again and again. Five times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes, and that, that was a brutal thing, actually. Uh, he says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. I mean, just terrible stuff. Uh, and yet... He willingly faced it because, because of his calling, his passion, and his commitment to reach and disciple people for Jesus. A shepherd, which is what the word pastor literally means. As shepherd, Paul wanted the Colossian believers to experience God's comfort whenever they face suffering. And, and, and Paul knew that his own experiences, that 
that his sufferings enabled him to be one of the sources of comfort uh, of comfort for them. And that being out of a posture of, of, of truly understanding their pain because of what he had walked through. I see that Paul also wanted them to be so devoted to Jesus that, that they, were, they were willing, actually willing to suffer for Christ. And, and my Christian friends, we must be also. As we heard from, from uh, as Deb uh, prayed that prayer for Christians around the world who, who suffer for their faith. And it's, uh, it's something that continues to this day. And then in verse 25, Paul says, God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. Here, I see that Paul wanted his church family to know that he took his pastoral role seriously. The word responsibility jumps out to me as someone who at times uh, probably lives in the zone of, of feeling over-responsible. Uh, for, for situations, for people's, for people's choices that they make and all, all of that, right? But I see, I see Paul taking his role seriously. And, and Paul knew that shepherding God's church was a huge responsibility. And he knew, <coughs> excuse me, that the stakes in, in the work he was doing, the stakes were extremely high. And, and they are. Because we're dealing with people's eternity. Those are higher stakes than what the stock market is doing, as important as that is. Eaglemont family, I, I feel the weight of that daily. And, and I'm not complaining, I'm not looking for sympathy. That's, that's just a recognition that the stakes are high in God's work, in spiritual work. Paul also says that pastoring involves proclaiming the entire message, which brings us great hope because Jesus is lovingly uh, protecting, providing, and guiding us through, through this life and into the next as we lean on him. And, and we always, we always needed to lean on God um, and on one another. And, and yet, in times of, of pain, uh, for some, the easiest thing to do is, is, to, to, is to recoil and, and, and pull away from, from both God and others. And my friend, if that's, if that's you right now, I, I, I would ask you, just encourage you strongly to, to make a course correction. And, and this is not, this is not Marlo, uh, Pastor Marlowe being nosy. It's, it's part of my God-given responsibility to remind you to be intentional about finding ways to, to connect in meaningful ways with, with God and with others in your Eaglemont family and, and making those things, those connections a priority. So, moving on, what else does a pastor, what else does your pastor want for you? Verse, uh, the last part of verse 27, Paul says, uh, Christ lives in you. Your pastor wants you to know, if you're a Christian, if you've dedicated your life to Christ, just think about it. Christ lives in you. And Paul says, which gives you assurance of sharing his glory. Again, think about that. Jesus, by his spirit, lives in you, lives in me. Paul knows that, that keeping this in mind will actually, will actually shape in a positive way, in a Christ-honoring way, uh, how we live. It will influence our uh, hope quotient. And hope is sadly lacking in our world and sometimes in our own hearts and minds, and that need not be the case. Uh, remembering that Jesus lives in me, it, it, it will actually lead to the abundant life. Doesn't mean everything's gonna go perfect, but it'll lead to the abundant life that Jesus said in, in John 10.10, 10, 
that he came to give us, that life that is full and satisfying and meaningful as we live it for him. And the, the hope and glory part of this verse is the, is the future fulfillment of God's promise to restore us and to restore all of creation to how he originally created things to be before sin entered the world. And I, we can look forward to that. And, and I don't want you to miss out on that. And as Christ followers, we, we won't. Moving on, verse 28, Paul says, he says, we warn and teach Christ followers with God's wisdom because we want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. Paul wants them to know, Paul wants the Christ followers in the church of, Colossia, of, of Colossae to know that part of his God-given responsibility as a shepherd is to warn and teach so they'll mature in their relationship with Jesus, so they'll, so they'll be stronger. And I, I need to be willing to do the same, to warn and teach. As your pastor, what have I warned you about recently? Well, you can go back and listen to some of the messages over the past weeks or months. You see, under God, I need to be willing to give warnings that are biblical, even though it may not always be easy to do, or even though I know that well, in this or that, my motives could be misunderstood. That's okay, as long as I'm doing it under God's direction and uh, from the biblical foundation, the warnings, the warnings. I, I, I recently gave a loving and biblical warning about the, the spiritual danger of a trajectory of disconnection from your church family. I've given that warning over the years many different times. Um, Paul gives that warning throughout the New Testament. Well, you may be at a place, Christian friend, you might be at a place right now where you, you need to combat that slide toward disconnection by calling someone that God puts on your mind, by calling them and, and, and chatting with them and saying, I want to pray with you over the phone, what you're going through. Maybe you're going through something, maybe you're not. Let me pray for you. Just be a source of encouragement. In other words, the best way to feel connected many times in your church family is to take the initiative to show love and to encourage others. And I leave that with you today. As pastor, I must always be willing to warn and teach what God says in his word no matter what, and, and all for Paul's stated purpose there of presenting Christians perfect in Christ. Perfect, wow, well, that, that actually literally means fully mature. And I'm moving that direction together with you toward maturity. Sometimes it's a slow process, but God's word, God's spirit, the encouragement of one another, uh, so we move forward into maturity, and that's God's goal. And, pa and, and Paul knew that as, as pastor. And, and this goal uh, of maturity is so important uh, to, to Paul that in verse 29 he says, it's why I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. And, and I, I get that. And, and on Christ's mighty power, I must depend in my calling as a shepherd. Full, full maturity in Christ? I mean, you know that's, that, that's God's greatest goal for you, even, even more than being the best father or mother you can be because it's that that will help you become the best father or mother you can be. Something else Paul wants Christians to know in chapter 2, verse 1. 
He says, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you. Why would he say that? He, he's not looking for pity. I, I believe it's because Paul wants Christians to have insight about what goes on in the heart of a shepherd who deeply cares for the sheep. And that, that deep concern is reflected in this phrase, I've agonized for you. Remember I referred to earlier, uh, 2 Corinthians 11, Paul's sufferings list. Well, at the end of that list, he adds this uh, insightful and maybe for some a bit of a surprising comment. In verse 28, he says, besides all of this, all of those sufferings, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. And again, I, I get that. <laughs> and I have one church. <laughs> it was multi-layered for Paul. But I get, I, I get that statement, along with the, all the joy that comes and all the good things that God was doing in the various churches still for Paul and for, for every other pastor that has a, a, a truly a shepherd's heart, the, the burden is big for the, for the people God has called us to shepherd and care for. And I'm, I'm sure that Paul would have given all that to God daily, all those situations, all those people, every day in prayer. I'm sure Paul did that, but, but there was still this, this, this weight of uh, spiritual leadership and care and concern that, that just doesn't go away. I had a mentor of mine uh, years ahead of me in ministry tell me that about four years into lead pastoring and the, 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 uh, I said, well, I'm still on a learning curve and this, you know, I was describing what Paul is saying here in my own words and, and he just looked at me and said, that'll never go away. As long as you function in your gifting of having a shepherd's heart, that'll never go away. In this phrase that Paul uses, I've agonized over you, I see Paul communicating that being a pastor was not merely a job. It was a calling. It was, a, it was an appointment from God. And, and church, as your pastor, I, I want you to know that the minute this becomes merely a job, I need to step down. And, and there's, listen, there's, there's definitely a biblical foundation for you viewing your work as a calling from God. Yes, based on God's leading in your life, uh, based on the abilities he's given you, the experiences he's given you, the opportunities and so on. Your work is definitely ministry unto the Lord. That is biblical. All I'm saying is that being a pastor must never just be a job. I, I think you know what I mean. Something else that Paul's agonizing includes is the deep prayer that, uh, that, that a shepherd lifts to God on behalf of the sheep. It's, it's safe to assume that Paul had conversations with God very often, like I do, saying things like, God, you, you love the people of Eaglemont even more than I do. Please sustain them in their pain. Help them not to become bitter. May their, may their love for you and for your word deepen every day. May they fully trust you with their future, with their family, with their finances. Uh, may, may they be filled with your spirit so they can be effective witnesses for you, Jesus. God, may Eaglemont Christ followers depend on your strength in every situation, in every challenge. Protect their spirit, uh, heal their body, uh, bring their family member back to you, uh, lead their hearts, lead them toward fully trusting in you and trusting you for everything in their lives. That kind of prayer. And on and on the prayers go, and it's a, it's a privilege to do that as pastor. 
Church, I want you to know that there's rarely a day that passes when I, when I don't lift prayer up to God on your behalf, in, uh, in, sometimes in, in structured times of prayer. But many times, uh, other times, I'll, I'll think of you. God will bring you to my mind at various times throughout my day. If I happen to, to know where you live uh, or work, I'm not, I'm not sure what that meant, but if, if I happen to know where you live or your place of work and I happen to be driving by, I, I will pray for you. The vast majority of times, I will, I will pray as, as I drive by. I want, you, I want you to be encouraged, and that's why I share that. Simply, hopefully, to encourage you. Your pastor is praying for you. Further to the question, what does your pastor want for you? For you uh, chapter 2, the, uh, the first part of verse 2, Paul says, I want Christ followers to be knit together by strong ties of love. And just a brief comment here, but it's, you know, it's like some of you who are parents and you see your kids, if you got more than one, and they're getting along and they're doing well and they're showing love and they're showing care to one another. I mean, uh, that just lifts a parent's heart. I mean, that's hard, that's hard to put into words. It brings joy to a parent's heart. And it's, the, it's kind of the same for a, for a pastor when he observes a strong bonds of love within the church family. And that, that's what Paul's expressing here that he wants uh, for, for the church. For time's sake, let's skip to chapter 2, verse 5, where Paul says, Though I am far away, my heart is with you. And there's a, a part of that statement that applies here in this season, COVID season. Though we haven't seen each other face to face, some of us, my heart is with you. And I rejoice. Paul says, I rejoice that you're living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. You may not feel that, but it's there. And you can, you can return to that right now, in this moment, to that place of strength in Christ as you trust him. But, but what a great thing for a pastor to be able to say. In Terry Belcourt's message uh, that he preached uh, here three weeks ago, he he did something at the end. He slightly rewarded Philippians 1 to make it a personal reflection on how he and Brenda, his wife, value this church family. And that, that, was, that was moving. That was meaningful. And so I'd like to say that this is my own idea, but it's not. Uh, but as I conclude, I, I'm doing something similar with this Colossians passage to reflect what's in my heart for Eaglemont Church. Christ followers of Eaglemont. I'm willing to suffer for Christ, for your sake. God has given me the responsibility of serving by shepherding this body and by proclaiming his entire message to you, church. You know the message of God's grace because you've received his forgiveness and his gift of eternal life. I want you to live every day in the hope that all of that brings to you. God wants you to know that the riches and the glory and the wisdom of Christ are for you. Eaglemont Church, available because Christ lives in you. I want to see, I want to see you grow to full maturity in Christ. And I am willing to work and pray and struggle hard in Christ's mighty power to see that become a reality. I've agonized in prayer over this for you and at times over other aspects of your life's challenging journey. I pray that you'll live free from covetousness, 
from fear, from lust, and from every other sinful entrapment. Church of Eaglemont, I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be knit together by strong ties of love for one another. I want you to never forget that Christ himself lives in you. So you have all the wisdom, all the strength, all the hope that you would ever need to live victoriously in this challenging life. Look to and love Jesus and his word and you won't be deceived or sidetracked. Church, my heart is with you. My heart is with you. My prayer is for you. And I rejoice that your faith in Christ is strong. Keep going. You're going to make it. Eaglemont family, I love you. And I thank you for the privilege of being your pastor. God's got you. God's got your family. God sees the way through the situation you're facing right now. Trust him. Talk to him and find a Christ follower in your church family that you can share with and pray with. To be encouraged and to encourage them. There may be someone watching today who you're not connected to Christ in a personal, what, what the Bible says we can have a personal and eternal relationship with God through what Christ did on the cross because he took the penalty for our sin upon himself so we could go free eternally. If you would acknowledge that Jesus died for your sin and if you would place your trust in Jesus as the forgiver of your sin and the leader of your life and commit to follow his loving leadership in your future, in this life and on, on into eternity, you, you will move, you will move, the Bible says, instantly by your expression of faith and trust in Christ from darkness to light, from being separated from God to being connected relationally to your God, your creator. And so I, if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son Jesus to die for me. Thank you, Jesus, for coming willingly. I surrender my life to you now. I receive you and I trust you. I place my trust in who you are and what you did on the cross for me and the fact that you rose from the dead, uh, powerful over sin and, and death and over everything that keeps me from my God and my creator. I place my trust in you. I turn from my sin. I look your direction for leadership in my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. My friend, if if you prayed that prayer, I would, I would love to know about it. Would just want to be available to answer any questions or give you some resources. If you don't have a Bible, I want to give you a Bible. Um, would, would just be so excited to, to journey with you in this new relationship with, with, with God that, that you just stepped into by your faith in Christ. So cool. Let us know. Text the word Jesus to the number you see on the screen. And that will give us the opportunity to, uh, to be a, a support and encouragement to you. So God bless you. Thank you for opening your word to God's heart. Uh, sorry, opening your heart to God's word. And I believe God's word has been open to your heart as you've been receptive to that today. Have a fantastic week. And may you sense his nearness every day because he's there.